Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is Pop Con, Indie Pop Con to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. What's your favorite scary movie? What's the boogeyman? You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? It's showtime. Hello guys, and welcome to another episode of You Can't Kill the Boogeyman Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie. And I'm Sammy. And thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Today we are talking about one of the best Halloween movies in the franchise. I would agree. This is H2O, Halloween H2O. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's been a bit of a clusterfuck leading up to this, but I really enjoy Halloween yeah. H2O. Yes, I enjoy this movie too. So I'm happy that we got a break from the nonsense. And then the last one in the series is Resurrection. Yeah. That's the next one. Yeah. So. I'm not too excited about it. But yeah, I think it was worth the wait for at least to have H2O. Mm-hmm. I agree. So uh, before we dive into the episode, first thing I posted about this, but just wanted to acknowledge this is we're recording this like mid February so uh, at the beginning of February we found out on February first actually that George P Wilbur had passed away. Yes, and we spent a lot of time talking about him recently It just happened to work out that way, but um, he was the first actor to play the shape Michael Myers in two movies, yep. He was the very first one to do that in multiple movies so that's very cool, but I think he was a really good Michael Myers at the end of this series I think we'll kind of do our breakdown of I think we should do like favorite movies favorite Michaels yeah all of that but we'll do that I think he was one of the great Michael Myers I agree with you 100%. out of all of the movies so it's very sad that he passed away but yes yeah I oh. just wanted to acknowledge that and kind of dedicate yeah that in his, this in his memory even though he wasn't in this particular movie well rest in peace to him and mm-hmm. our condolences go out to his family and friends mm-hmm. yeah okay all right now we can get to the fun stuff. So as you said, we're gonna be talking about Halloween H2O 20 years later. Well, I don't think anyone usually does the whole title, but no. officially it's H2O 20 years later. This is where Jamie Lynn Curtis decides to come back. Yep, Jamie Lee comes back for a movie, look at that. So we've got some taglines and I've really enjoyed looking into these because some of them are special. So first tagline, it's going to be one hell of a family reunion. Yes, it is. After two decades away, guess who's coming to Halloween? (laughs) This summer, terror won't be taking a vacation. That's pretty good. Blood is thicker than water. I don't know about that one. It's a little vague. 20 years ago, he changed the face of Halloween. Tonight, he's back. You know, I don't understand what why Haddonfield just doesn't cancel Halloween. They'll celebrate any other holiday, yeah. but when it comes to Halloween, it's just canceled. They're kind of dumb. That's what I would have done if I was been the mayor. Mm-hmm. Well, this is done. This is not at Haddonfield, so and they're not really celebrating Halloween. They're doing like their senior trip, right? For this. right, right. But yes, there are several movies around Haddonfield where they're trying to do celebrations like recently 
in the mm-hmm. last couple of movies and it's stupid i would agree with you that's one thing i would have done yeah but you're right this is not at, at actually no. adam field Mm-mm. all right i've got two more taglines for you trick or treat kill or die it's that time of year again that one's kind of funny i like that one and then the face of pure evil is back for laurie strode 20 years later 20 years later yeah so lots of 20 years references in here all right so you want a summary yep two decades if you have not picked up on this um it's 20 years later yes if you haven't noticed so two decades Two decades after surviving a massacre on October 31st, 1978, so we're going all the way back to the first movie, former babysitter Lori Strode finds herself hunted by persistent knife wielder Michael Myers. Lori now lives in Northern California under an assumed name where she works as the headmistress of a private school. But it's not far enough to escape Myers, who soon discovers her whereabouts. As soon as Halloween descends upon Lori's peaceful community, a feeling of dread weighs upon her with good reason. How do you even think Michael Myers found her? You can't think too hard about it. It's just in the blood. I guess it's a a sixth sense that he has, you know, like, like that's his sixth sense is hunting Lori. Lori. I don't know. I don't know. It just, these, this is the type of question you can't really, you think about it and you're just like, okay, you just can't think about it too hard. Apparently. This movie was obviously rated R for terror, violence, gore, and language. Seems fitting. Again, our genre is holiday horror. Okay. Once again. Our director on this one is Steve Miner. Reminds me of of, uh, an office joke. Like Steve Steve Carell or uh, he says something minor and then... I barely know her or something. You guys know where I'm going with that. Yes, it's I could I could feel out the office joke. Minor, I hardly know her. So Steve Miner, I believe he was one of the reasons that Jamie Lee Curtis agreed to come back, if I remember right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Producers, we have Malek Akkad, associate producer. He's always involved. Um, I think that's the son, son of Mustafa Akkad. Yes. Right? Yeah. So who's also an executive producer. Paul Freeman is a producer. Kevin Williamson, co-executive producer on this one. And we still got the Weinstein brothers hanging well, around. This is a Weinstein franchise. So yeah. Unfortunately. I, I wonder what happened after the Weinstein company went, went to hell. As do far you, as. Do they still own the rights to these films? No. I mean, I think everything was kind of divvied up. So that's why. When you're looking for these movies, they're kind of all over the place. Okay. Paramount. But and... I know Harvey Weinstein and the Weinstein brothers still get paid off of this. Oh, I'm sure they do, which is some bullshit, but that's another story. Yes. Writers. We have Deborah Hill and John Carpenter getting credit, obviously, for the characters that they created. Robert Zapia, Zapia story and screenplay, and Matt, Green- Matt Greenberg, the screenplay. I decided a new fun thing we might try doing is looking up the cinematographer since you are in fact a cinematographer. So on this one, it was Darren Okada. Okay. There you go. Just in case some familiar names pop up in there, but I was like, you know, we should give credit to them because you're a cinematographer. So I'm going to try and throw that in there for you too. Okay. This movie was released as it's said in the taglines in the summer on July 27th, 1998. That's different. Yes, most of these movies have been released very close to Halloween in October. Yeah. I think we the last one maybe was like September, I think was the earliest. Why? Why did they change it? I don't know. But this one came out in the summer. And I vaguely, okay, before we keep going on this. So 1998, I would have been 11 years old. Okay. When this movie came out. So being an 11 year old josh hartnett was like a big freaking deal yeah he, this is all of us of loved him he was very popular at this time yes josh hartnett is a very big deal uh jamie lee curtis was in some stuff i would have seen too you know i mean she did cutesy movies and she did movies like this so you know like freaky friday with Lindsay I, lohan I say, and all that i don't remember what year that came out but just as an example around the same sort of era time frame I specifically remember 11 years old, people my age, kids my age, talking about this movie coming out. And, you know, it's the next Michael Myers movie and it's H2O and talking about whether it's going to be good or not. 
I would not have been allowed to see this being 11 and this is a rated R slasher movie. So no sneaking into the movie. I would not have done that either. But I just was like, oh, I was only 11 when this came out. And I distinctly remember kids my own age talking about how they were going to go see the movie and everything. With their parents? I don't know. I mean, someone had to get them in, right? Is R, so. Yeah. Yeah. I just remembered that. And it just was like a memory that came back. These are the days where people would sneak in video cameras and actually record the screen. Uh-huh. And that's how you'd get the bootlegs and that's people terrible. would be walking in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. That's how you know it was really it's a, grimy. A bootleg. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, that was just a fun, fun thought that came to me while I was pulling up the information on this. I was just like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. But it would be many, many, many years later before I would actually see this. That makes sense. All right. So the budget on this movie was an estimated $17 million. It's gross in the US and Canada was 55 million and on okay. its opening weekend it made 16 like 16.2. Okay, so almost, almost his budget made. Yeah, on the opening weekend. So that's pretty good. That's really fucking good. Yeah. This one has a runtime of an hour and 25 minutes distributed by Miramax Films. They used a Panavision Panaflex camera to film it. Now as far as ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, this sits at a 49%, and I really thought it would be higher. Yeah. And a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And again, I thought that would be a little bit higher. Yeah. Because that's this is better the, than the last couple, but it's still, you know. This is one of the better movies I in the think franchise. So. I mean, when this was coming up, I was really excited about this. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is almost comparable to the to the first one. Yeah, I I like this movie. I think it's enjoyable. And I don't know, maybe some of it's nostalgia again because the actors in it that we're about to go over, a lot of them are those Dawson River I, kids yeah, were in there. The Dawson River kids. I did not watch the the Dawson's Creek and neither did he. I didn't watch it because I was interested and he was not allowed to. I was banned. Which makes me surprised he didn't try and watch it. But I that may be a little bit of maybe there's some nostalgia feelings to it, but I think it's a good Michael Myers movie. I enjoy it. Yeah, I like the storyline. I like the actors. <sighs> I think it's good. So whatever the deal is, although I always know when we look at these ratings, we always have to take it with a grain of salt because some big old trolls love to go on and yes. drive these ratings down sometimes Absolutely. on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. So whether we agree or not, but right. yeah, I was just surprised it was so low. Was this shot back in Salt Lake? That's that always surprises me. We will get to that in one that, second. That yeah. they shoot these movies. But this in... this was no, it was not in Salt Lake. If that no. makes you feel better. No. So let's do the cast and then we'll do filming locations. So cast, obviously, as we've said, Jamie Lee Curtis returns as Laurie Strode, aka Carrie Tates, because that's her pseudonym for this. Yep. Josh Hartnett is John Tates. And so they if you didn't see what they did there, they swapped her her daughter out for a son. Yep, now she does not have a daughter, she has a son. son. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who knows knows him, knows her, lives with her. Yeah, we don't also have like these abandonment issues that come Exactly. Yeah. I really wish they would have stuck with this reasoning. Yeah, I agree. And done another movie mm-hmm. with this cast. This cast. Mm-hmm. We also have Adam Arkin as Will Brennan, Michelle Williams as Molly, Adam Han Bird as Charlie. And Jody Lynn O'Keefe was Sarah. Janet Lee makes an appearance as Norma Watson. Yes, she does. We'll original, have lots of talking about that soon. Original yes. scream cream. Lots of references to her. LL Cool J's in this is Ronnie. Love that. Chris Durand it plays Michael Myers, aka The Shape. Nancy Stevens is Marion Chambers Winningham. Joseph Gordon Levitt is in here as Jimmy. Not very long. No, it's but not. But he is in here. But he is in there. And Brendan Williams is Tony, his friend. And then Tom Kane is the voice of Dr. Sam Loomis. Remember, we told you in the last one, or reminded you that Dr. Loomis's actor, Donald Pleasance, unfortunately passed away. Yep. After he completed the last film. And, you know, they had to basically get a voice actor for this one to do some voice work. Do you, do you think it sounds like him? I think they did a good job. I feel like there's still a little. It's not going to be perfect, uh, but yeah, I think but for them for trying to be true to him yes. and not just use anybody and say, this is Dr. Loomis and you're just supposed to buy it. Like they were really trying to right, right. bring 
Donald Pleasance's essence. If you don't, if you don't know back. that he's dead, you'll you'll buy it. Yeah, I don't think you would have necessarily picked up on it. Right. Yeah. All right, filming locations. So this movie was filmed in California. There is a reference to Salt Lake City in here, but I don't know if that was just like what exactly they filmed there. I didn't see that specifically on IMDb, but this was basically filmed in California. I that, I can imagine that. Yeah, so we have La Puente, California for the town of Summer Glen. Um, and they've used like the main street there for the restaurant that they're in. Um, basically like when they're off campus, it's kind of like their main street area. Uh, Browns County Road in Chats, Chatsworth, California was Hillcrest Academy's entrance. So if you remember that big gated place that they had. And then the Canfield Moreno Estates, which is on Michael, uh, Michelle Torino or Michael Torino Street. I don't know. And Silver Lake, Los Angeles. That was the school. It looks like that's where they um, recorded that. And at Universal Studios Hollywood, is where they did the dumbwaiter death scenes. Really? That's there's That's fun for cool. you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. So basically like Los Angeles, Central California. Yeah. Like that's that's where this was filmed. I know at. we're we're in Orlando. We filmed this in Orlando. I know they still shoot movies in Universal Orlando. Mm-hmm, right. They deal they shoot deal or no deal there still. Yeah. That's, that's in syndication. Fun fact for you. So yeah. So that's always fun to know yep. they do film some stuff around here. Okay, so let's get into some filming facts. Okay. This is Josh Hartnett's feature film debut. What? Can you believe it? He's so, like, in my mind, he's such, like, a big actor. Now he is. It's hard to believe in 1998 that this was his his first debut. This is also Jodie Lynn O'Keefe's debut as well in the movies. So there you go. They both hit in the big time in this one. This was the first Halloween movie to be shot in the Super 35 format. So DP Darren Okada initially wanted to shoot in Panavision anamorphic, just like the original, but the anamorphics were all taken by action movies that were being made. So this is what they had to settle for. So who knew? Let's see. John Carpenter was originally in negotiations to be the director since Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to reunite the cast and crew of the original, but he he did not. It was believed that he opted out because he wanted no active part in the sequel, but that's not really the case. He had agreed to direct the movie, but his starting fee as director was $10 million. $10 million. And he wanted a three-picture deal with Dimension. They were like, hell to the no on that. Mm-hmm. He rationalized this by saying the hefty fee was compensation for a revenue he did not receive from the original way back in 1978, which was a matter that was still a point of contention between Carpenter and producer Mustafa Akkad even after 20 years <laughs> now but now you see what mm-hmm. he did there he has leverage now yeah and now you want to be paid yeah but, but unfortunately a cod and dimension films balked at the demands and he was like all right bye and all left right, peace yes mm-hmm. jamie lee curtis had once mentioned that she considered this film to be a thank you note to her friend to her fans she said without that early career i don't think i would have been an actor and just like okay that's nice i will say jamie lee seems to i don't know how she is i hear personally she's not very nice i've heard these things too but i will say as far as how she treats her fans really nice i don't know her personally so i don't want to comment on whether she's nice or not but as far as she treats her fans everything that i've seen she does a great job we watched this whole behind the scenes thing with her going to like her first ever cons or whatever and she was literally staying like hours past when she was supposed to to make sure everyone got an autograph and they were telling her like you can't talk to people that much you need to just sign and move on and she nope everyone who came up she just chatted with them while she signed their stuff like she didn't she just ignored what they told her to do i mean what are you gonna do everyone same thing with photos she was chatting with them and they were saying like you need to keep them moving but she just wanted to talk to everybody so again jamie lynn curtis she can do that yeah however she is off camera i don't know and personally but she does seem to really really appreciate her fan base well i've i've been trying to reach out to her pr people to try to get her on the podcast but oh that's i've been trying that to would get be a, very cool i'm trying to get a lot very of nervous a lot of stars maybe. on the podcast i would be people. nervous to would talk really? to her yes because she's just 
I love were, her. You were great talking with to Lenora Shelfo. I, I, Lenora was very cool to talk to, and I highly recommend you check out that episode if you haven't listened to it. And She's a very cool chick, but I don't know. I guess it's because I grew up with. I didn't grow up on screen. Right. right. I watched Scream when I met you. So I'm right. older and I can see them, they're people, whatever. But Jamie Lee, it's like I was like a little kid seeing her and stuff. So she's on the battle. Still. Yeah. So it's a little bit like, oh, you know, like when I saw um, Marsden, when that. we saw him at the House of Mouse Expo, I was like, who did we see? <laughs> Jason Marsden okay. was at the House of Mouse Expo. And Literally, I was like, oh, my God. She she pointed him out. I didn't know who it was, but I was like, oh, wait. And then I stopped him because she was freaking out. And I was like, well, can I get a picture? Well, they were talking. And then I pulled out my phone secretly so to like cute, get a picture. I was mm-hmm. like, I need to be recording this or get a picture. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I see what you're doing. I see. Because usually at those events, you have to pay. Yeah. But he was super cool. So nice. But I mean, for him, like Hocus Pocus, Max Goof. Yeah. Boy Meets World. He's I mean, and, short, though. and he was in the Weekenders. I always forget to mention that, but he was a voice in the Weekenders, which I love that cartoon. But he's such a big voice actor. Like, if you look up his his list of things he's done, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I I was, was super excited to to meet him. He's a person, but I was just like, oh, but you've been like such a big part of my childhood. So you know, I'm glad I could snag that because yes. he was mm-hmm. he was coming right at us, and he was like, hey, what's up? And he like. I was like, hey, what's up? Yeah. I didn't know who he was, but her, she was like, I was like oh my goodness. That's Marsden. It's, that's it's Marsden. him. That's Marsden. I would so, do the same thing if I saw like any of the Boy Meets World cast. I'd be like, oh my God. I think now that I know what he looks like, I know he's from Boy Meets World. Yeah. And I would be like, oh, that's you again. Yeah. But uh, like any of the, the major stars on that show, I'd be like, all right. Yeah, I would be excited to see Corey any of them. Or whatever. I, well, I know their real names, so I would definitely be calling them by their actual names. I know Ben is Ben, and then uh, Topanga is uh, Danielle. Dan, Danielle. Uh huh. And Ryder Strong. Ryder. He's got such a great name, Ryder Strong. Yes. And his brother is Shiloh. I mean, they have like such a great name. Obviously, their parents weren't hippies or anything. Oh, that's judgmental. Anyways, we'll but, get back to But Jamie Lee Curtis, she's going to be coming up in the new Haunted Mansion film, too, for Disney. And I'm so excited for that. I feel like I would just need a man to like geek out on. Well, stuff. again, I've been trying to reach out to her PR people. Be very re- cool. Reached out to Skeet Aldridge, uh, Nev Campbell, Nev, Matthew, wow. Lillard, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Oh, he's probably um, ridiculous to talk to. He seems like he'd be a fun guy. Um, Nancy, mm-hmm. the girl from Scream, the second bathroom chick. Yeah. I'm trying to get her on Two there. rude bathroom girls. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, for you guys, where I'm trying to get more interviews, I know it's fun talking to us. And we're planning, we actually need to get on and figure out a date, but we would like to talk to the cast of Death Walks Among Us, the yes. Halloween fam film again, because they are doing more. Yep. And I think it'd be fun to first of all talk about how great the movie's been doing on YouTube. Yep. It's like over 10,000. Yeah, it's over 10,000 views. Yeah, how great it's been doing on there and what it's been like for them and what's coming. For the next installment so that'll be another fun interview we can do so. absolutely all right okay let's get back on track yep to just oh, you just got us all sidelined that's your fault yes i'm just kidding all right so ll cool j he had been a big fan of the halloween movies and he said that his mother actually took him to see the original one when he was nine so yeah ll cool j and i are not on the same level obviously i saw scream when i was like 12. I don't think I would have done well. I did not do well with the ring at like 14. So I don't know how I would have responded to. Again, I read Goosebumps. I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark? I Sometimes Are You Afraid of the Dark was scary. I don't know. So I I probably would have tolerated this better than I think I would have because I did. I watched uh, Eerie in Vienna, that show, uh, So Weird. Like those shows, I rewatched So Weird as an adult. And I was like, I watched this as a child. What? I don't know what that is, but so weird. It's oh yeah, you would enjoy it because it's supernatural, paranormal things that she investigates. Disney. Disney, It's on Disney Plus. Yes. Eerie Indiana. I think that was a Disney show, but I'm not sure you can find it anywhere to watch right now. Maybe like YouTube. But yeah, I I watched weird stuff. So I'm sure I would have been fine with this, but I don't know. Anyway. The back to Michael Myers. This movie was originally supposed to be a sequel to Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers from 1995. 
And Kevin Williamson's original treatment for H2O included a scene in which Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge, and the sixth film, Halloween The Curse, are all referenced and acknowledged as being in continuity and canon, continuity and canon. But his Williamson's challenge was to create an explanation now for Laurie's death in the previous movies. Because remember, she, she wasn't died. around. She was she was dead, and now she's resurrected in this one. If we were tying all of them together, so he didn't want to mess up the the storyline from before, but he also had to bring her back. So what he came up with was that Lori faked her death and was in the witness protection protection program with her son under the alias Carrie Tate, which is what she's doing in this movie. Um, but the scene, which would have basically explained it and tied it all together, was ultimately omitted from the final cut Imagine of the film. And so every time. reference to four, five, and six was cut, and they just ignored all of them, and they decided it would just follow Halloween, too. I hate that when they specifically do that, and then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we got to cut it for time. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yep. So even though there was no longer a specific or direct reason for Lori to have been in hiding under her fake name, they kept that plot in the finished film. But that kind of gives you a little bit of but reference kind of, to but it. But she kind of said that during the movie. She's like, "That's this is not my real name. There was going to be, she did, because she's under, that, that's part of the storyline is she's hiding. Right. But they would have directly referenced it. And there was a lot longer explanation of this that I found, but it, okay. was, it was long. But essentially somebody in her class maybe even molly may have done it found like an old article or something about her and then put two and two together that she was really lori and um, okay. it was something along those lines i can't remember the specifics but they would have very specifically referenced the other movies and what happened okay but instead of this vague thing that we got but they're not they're not doing that so so LL Cool J's line where he tells josh hartnett's character to comb your hair was ad-libbed and was inspired by Josh Hartnett's actual messy haircut. <laughs> you know why Josh Hartnett always has messy hair? Because all like the, all the leading character men mm-hmm. always had straight hair, nice hair, and he perfect was like hair. perfect hair. Yeah, and he's like fuck all that noise. I'm just gonna keep it messy. That's exactly true. Like I'm just true. rolling out of bed. Yep, that's mm-hmm. why. Yep. So let's see. This is kind of in reference set. I'm sorry. I was reading it because it's kind of in relation to what you just said. So Jamie Lee Curtis recalls that Josh Hartnett was someone who wanted to be an actor, but didn't want the trappings of stardom. He would wear a knit beanie on set at all times, remove it to film a scene, and then immediately return it to his head as a way of retaining his personality. She said, I respected him for it. It was annoying, but I respected him for it. So kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of in reference to messy hair and all that, too, because you're not going to be able to keep a great looking hairstyle with the beanie coming on and off right before a scene. I hear Josh Hartnett in real life is really cool. Really I, cool. Yeah, I could get that vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. really down to earth person. Mm-hmm. Before he knew Jamie Lee Curtis was involved, Josh Hartnett wasn't sure he was going to audition. He said, Halloween 7, is that going straight to video or is that going straight to hell? <laughs> that made me laugh that he said that. But you you did pick a good movie, Josh. So yeah. good job. You good job. picked one of the better ones. Yes. All right, Janet Lee. This is Jamie Lee's mom. The original screen queen. Yes. This was her first role in a feature film in 18 years. Her previous theatrical film was The Fog in 1980, which also starred Jamie Lee Curtis. So there you go. There's a, a fun little fact for you, and I will have more. The This is the shortest Halloween movie in the series with a runtime of 86 minutes. Really? I did not realize that this Neither was the shortest, I. but there you go. This is the shortest one. During the credits in the prologue, Dr. Samuel J. Loomis's dialogue from the first film about Michael's incineration, and I'm sorry, incineration, incarceration is heard. The studio was unable to retrieve the unmixed audio from the original scene to reuse it and were forced to tap voice actor Tom Kane to imitate Donald Pleasance, who played Dr. Loomis in the first six. So that's what we were talking about. That's why they brought in Tom Kane, because they did try and get the original audio, but they were not able to. Because everywhere, it's probably everywhere. Yeah. The school buses used to show how all of the school students are leaving for break were picked up by the studio on the cheap and actually didn't come with seats. They didn't come with seats? So what did they do? All sit on the floor? I'm assuming that's what they had to do, right? Because I doubt they put, they didn't mention they added seats, so they didn't come with them. So that's pretty cool. Can't see them putting them in for just to film the scenes, you know? 
Michelle Williams signed on to this film without ever having seen any of the Halloween movies. I thought that was interesting. The original working title for the film was Halloween 7, The Revenge of Laurie Strode, a clear pun on Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Nice, yeah. An early draft of the film of the script actually revealed that Charlie rather than Michael was the killer. Besides being a copycat shape, Charlie would have turned out to be the offspring of a nurse raped by Michael at the sanitarium. The draft was titled Halloween, the son of Michael Myers. Both the title and the twist were eliminated. Wow, that would have been cool. That would have been that, that would have been a good twist. I was like, what? They were gonna do what with Charlie? I thought that was very cool. I thought he was creepy in the movie anyway. He would have been the great. actor who played him, he would have been did a great. great job. But yeah. This that would have been a great storyline for him. I really think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Contrary to popular belief, Kevin Williamson was in fact not the original writer of the film. Originally, it was Robert uh, Zappia, um, who was hired to pen Halloween Two Faces of Evil, which was planned to go direct to video after the modest box office performance of Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. His original script was set in a fenced in boarding school. Um, it's just like the final film. So they did keep that. So when Jamie Lee Curtis started expressing interest in returning to the series, Kevin Williamson, who was coming off of his blockbuster success with Scream. Yep. From 1996 yeah. was asked by Dimension Films to pen a treatment that added in Laurie Strode when the WGA. So the Writers right. Guild of America, America deemed that Williamson did not deserve a writing credit on the screenplay. Dimension Films hoping to market the film as from the creator of Scream. Smart move, I will say. Offered Zappia more money to share the writing credit, but he declined. So the studio just made Williamson an executive producer on the finished film. Well, at least they did something. With yes. Them, right? And the WGA has specific requirements for how you can get a writing credit. And Kevin did not meet those. He did not alter or add to enough of the script. It had to be like 33% or something. Okay. And he did not. So that is why they said he did not get the writing credit. I'm sure he was pissed. I'm sure. So, yeah. But it was a good marketing strategy. I understand why Dimension, yeah, said, like, we know we need to have a way to say you're, you are involved in this in a big way. Yeah. So that was very smart. I agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're going to get into the horror movie references where we're going to talk a little bit more about Janet Lee to start. Okay. So, as we said, she is Jamie Lee's mom. She plays Norma in this film, and she was Marion in Psycho. Yep. Which is why Robbie kept calling her the original screen queen. Yep. During the scene where Norma is leaving, she stands in front of a car, which is the actual car from Psycho. Yep. Fun times. The music playing in the background at this part is also from Psycho. The license plate on the car is also the same as the second car Marion buys in Psycho, NFB418, which are Norman Bates' initials. And lastly, Norma is the first name of Norman Bates's mother from Psycho. I wouldn't have gotten that. There's a lot of tie-ins right I there. I wouldn't have gotten that one. Yeah, a lot, yeah. So during one of the scenes at the school, Charlie tells John, 20 years from now, you're still going to be living with her, probably running some weird motel out in the middle of nowhere, which <laughs> is a callback again to Psycho. So lots of Psycho references, but I think they were good. Good yeah. little Easter eggs in there, not too in your face. On the television in the girls' room, they're playing a clip from Scream 2. Yes, they are. Uh-huh, which is still, which is also a callback to the fact that in Scream, they played Halloween Yep. on the TV. So I thought that was a fun little nod to each other. According to producer Mustafa Akkad, however, when the scene was actually filmed, the girls were watching So I Married an Axe Murderer. <laughs> which made for an entirely entirely different joke. A movie featuring Michael Myers had its characters watching the stars, so I married an axe murderer, Mike Myers. But the clip was changed to Scream 2 in post-production. So Scream 2 would have been better, though. Yeah, I like that it was Scream 2 because for the other reasons. But it's right. kind of funny watching Mike Myers. <laughs> when uh, Chris Durand, who plays the killer Michael Myers, had an uncredited role as a stunt double for the mass killer in Scream 2. Oh, so there's another cool. tie-in for you. Oh, yeah. See, a lot of these people know they get to know each other and they yeah, start they working all work together. together. Mm -hmm, for sure. When Jamie Lee Curtis's character says, go down the street to the Beckers, it was supposed to be a reference to the line from Halloween where she says, go down the street to the McKenzie's house. The right. name was changed to Becker, which was the last name of Drew Barrymore's character in Scream. Mm -hmm. Lots of Scream crossovers in this one, which is good because yeah. Scream always references a lot of Halloween yeah. and stuff. 
The line, everyone is entitled to one good scare, is said by Norma to Lori. Sheriff Brackett uh, originally said it in the first Halloween in 1978, so there's another callback to the original one. They really are doing a lot of uh, reminiscence yeah. in this one. I mean, well, you have the writer from Scream, you might as well use But he's that. very big on callbacks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a big thing. In the original Halloween, Lori answers a question about fate after seeing Michael Myers outside of the high school. And in H2O, Lori asks Molly a question about the novel Frankenstein, in which she answers by discussing the fate of Dr. Frankenstein. Once she finishes, she sees Michael standing in a doorway outside of the school. So that was all a big tie in there, too. A statue of Butterball, the Cenobite from Hellraiser, can be seen on Jimmy's porch when the nurse knocks on his door. I didn't pick that up. I never noticed that either. The phrase, do as I say, is spoken by Lori, is twice spoken by Lori while escorting the students to safety. And obviously she said this to the children in the original Halloween movie. Right. Yep. Director Steve Miner also directed two films in another popular horror series, Friday the 13th Part 2 in 1981 and Friday the 13th Part 3 in 82. And when Jimmy is first shown, he's wearing a hockey mask, which must be a reference to Jason. Yeah. I mean, I would just assume because you could maybe argue that, but I feel like that that was the whole purpose. Yeah, me too. Yeah. When Carrie slash Lori catches John and drives him back to the school after he sneaks out, the song Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes is playing on the radio in the car. And obviously we know this played at the beginning of Halloween too. That was a big part of it. And when Charlie goes up the dumbwaiter, he says, I'll be right back. And as explained in Scream, written by Kevin Williamson, you don't this say is that. a cardinal sin. Yep, you'll never be yep, right in back. horror movies. Yep, do not do that. So, mm-hmm. all right, you want some killer facts now? Let's killer, killer facts. So we have less deaths than we did in the last one. We have six. Well, that makes sense because it's a shorter movie. Yeah, but I don't mind that. I don't think we always need like. I feel 20 like it, even though there was only six kills, it didn't lag. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like it was bad to have less. Right. All right, so Jimmy was found with an ice skate in his face. Rest in peace, Jimmy, aka Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yep. Tony was found with a knife in his back, and but he was like standing up. Marion had her throat slit with a kitchen knife. Charlie had his throat slit with a corkscrew. Sounds pretty terrible. Sarah had her legs snapped, and she was stabbed like four times in the back. You know what? Michael Myers saved her because if that. She would have had a fucked up leg forever. Well, she didn't no matter, make it. So what's the difference? No matter how, if let's say if she would have hypothetically made it. Okay. She would have had a fucked up leg and she would have had to deal with that for the rest of her life. Michael Myers put her out of her misery. Oh, that's what you were saying. Oh, I'm because sorry. Because her leg would be fucked up. This is a little ableist of someone who's got his own problems. I'm just saying like. I think it's a bit dramatic. She, he put her out of her. I would be more concerned about her psychological issues than her leg issues. Uh, Oh my god! She's gonna have a lot of pain issues after that. If she would have survived, her leg would have been. You know how many multiple surgeries she would have had to have. Yes. And she would have been addicted to painkillers for the rest of her life. She would have been fucked. Well, thank you, Michael, for killing her. So good job on that one. Anyways, Will was stabbed in the back and lifted off the ground. And this one, I love this Dead Meat Wiki. Thank you. You're always entertaining. They added a six and a half for Michael Myers question mark. Because technically at the end of the movie, we're led to believe that Laurie decapitates him. Yeah. But we shall see that that's not true in the next movie. You're sure? Yes, we will see that. Yeah. So, but I thought that was funny that they had that six and a half. I was like, yeah, okay, that's fair. Yep. And uh, Sam Loomis, you know, he died of a heart attack. So he's not in this movie, but he wasn't, you know, murdered by Michael. All right. All right. So now... We've got some trivia about the masks. So one of the masks used from Halloween, one of the masks that's in this movie is used from Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, it's actually in the first scene appearance when he shows up. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was used during his attack on Marion, but all of his later appearances feature a new mask that was sculpted for this film. 
I'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah, so there is a little bit of a difference in the masks. And that's the first first killing. Yeah. They had shot this sequence while the studio went back and forth on what mask they preferred. So okay. there you go. And it's apparently Clark actually owns the mask. That's where it went. Because sometimes you ask what happened to them. So he owns that one. Okay. Even after 20 years, Jamie Lee Curtis still says the scene Michael Myers on set scared her. I would that would scare me that's too. That's fair. It's pretty freaking creepy looking. Like I was watching those behind the scenes shots and posted some of Michael Myers. Yeah. Of um what am I trying to say? Because now I'm blanking. George P. Wilbur. That's what I'm trying to say. George P. Wilbur putting it on and like he's standing there and he's in this the stupid yeah. jumpsuit and it's fine. But as soon as he puts on the mask, then you're just like you know he morphs. He morphs. yeah then it's kind of like okay never mind now you're big and creepy but yeah so i get it jamie lee curtis nicknamed chris durand who's playing michael as we said in this movie um she called him shapey shapey okay that's pretty <laughs> I was funny like, that's pretty funny yeah there were four masks used in the production a and b mask a buchler mask a stan winston mask and a cgi mask cgi mask yeah okay. so this gives a little bit more explanation how we said there was different masks at the beginning so the buchler mask is the mask used in the opening scene which was the curse of michael myers based one the stan winston mask is the main mask that's in the film and it's mostly seen throughout uh, and it was used in reshoots to replace the k and b mask in some shots However, even though this mask looks closer to the original one, it was criticized for being too tight. Michael's eyes are often clearly visible, looks a little awkward, um, and it has messy hair. I feel like the true fans of this will always complain about something. Something. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you not want to see Michael's eyes? I think that would make it more creepy. I think it's a little creepier to see his eyes, but maybe we're in the minority of that. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm curious. Do you think it's creepy to see his eyes? I mean, especially if he's coming after you, you have this mask on and then you can see the because, person's eyes. Yeah, and that's it's all like, you can see. You know, it's just a monster there. I don't know. To me, I think it's creepy. And the K&B mask can still be seen in the movie because they originally had that one, but changed it out for the Stan Winston mask. The crew had to reshoot these scenes, but many of the long shots still contain the K&B mask. It gets some criticism as it looked silly. The eye holes were too wide and had a weird hairline, a weird hairline that exposed most of his forehead. People said he looked like a Martian <laughs> and it was a blue white color. Others praise it for having an aggressive, scary look. The CGI mask is only seen in one scene and it received reg negative reactions for being pointless and did not look good. So it's only there once. There you go. Lots of drama always with the mask, it seems like as we go on. Yeah. And, and I know we're going to have lots to talk about in the last series because yeah. every movie, the mask gets more and more deteriorated and all that. Yep. Prior to being cast as Michael, Chris Durand had never seen any of the other movies, but decided to tackle the role blindly. I mean, I could see that. You don't want to like, you want to interpret Michael, I feel like, in a copycat. Right. So I could see that. So I got a couple of special effects and stunts, okay. information, facts, whatever. The one scene where fans say Michael's mask looks like it's CGI, Chris Durand revealed that it's not a CGI mask. I think that it was the original mask they were trying to dirty up to make it look like the Stan Winston mask we ended up with. And they did a little bit of alteration in CGI to it. And that's what everyone calls the CGI mask. It's not really CGI. It's kind of CG enhanced, but they didn't do it very well. And that was the problem. It was kind of a quick shot and it was a quick cover. It was a little sloppy. So okay, it may not be a full it. CGI. Yeah. And Curtis's stunt double broke her foot during the scene where they're driving the car and having to stop on to open the gate. She slammed on the brakes and the anti-like brakes pushed back on her. Oh, man. That sounds painful. Yeah. These stunt people, they do a lot. Yeah. For these movies. Hollywood would be cease to exist without stunt people. Mm -hmm. All right. So general trivia now for you. There was at one time a plan for Michael Myers to speak a single line at the end of the movie. He was to have said Laurie just before being beheaded by Jamie Lee Curtis, but they dropped it from the script, as we know, because it wasn't there. Uh, both Nancy Stevens and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are dead before their names even appear in the opening credits. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that just made me laugh. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, they, I knew they didn't make it that long, but I was like, before your name even shows up, yikes. 
Jamie Lee Curtis said that they had asked Mike Myers to do a cameo in the movie by just walking down the street past Lori. And she does a double check when, when she sees him, but he said no. That would have been great. I don't know why he said no, but he didn't. He declined to do it. I hear Mike Myers is actually kind of an asshole. Well, maybe he is because he didn't want to do a cameo in a Michael Myers film. So maybe you are an asshole. I don't know. One month after the film was released, Jamie Lee Curtis got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So see, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The majority of John Ottman's original score was rejected late in post-production and replaced with Mark Beltrami's scores to Scream and Scream 2 and Mimic. The producers wanted a darker, more Scream-like score, while Ottman's score wasn't strong enough to fit the bill. Some of what remained of Ottman's score were heavily edited and was often used for scenes in which they were not originally intended. Nevertheless, Ottman's score was later released in its entirety on an album called Portrait of Terror. So it is out there if you'd like to check out what he released. And I meant to look that up because I'm like, oh, poor guy. I just didn't like it. And I just thought that was interesting. They went back and like reused Scream music though. Yeah. Again, another Scream tie-in to this movie. You're right. This is the only film in the series involving Michael, including the Rob Zombie films, where none of the story takes place in Haddonfield. See, okay. You're just kind of talking yeah, about that. Yeah, you are. Yep. Nothing in Haddonfield this time. This is the first film in the series to be released in the summer. We said that too. Most of the film was shot on stage 24 on the back lot at Universal Studios, which That's is super cool. Right? Which is located right by where the studio tram ride ex- uh, starts. Every time the tram would drive by, Adam Hand Bird would run out oh, with his prosthetic neck gash, spilling fake blood everywhere, trying to get a rise out of the tourists. He'd stumble up and try to grab them. They all thought it was part of the show. He was, however, able to orchestrate some really nice gross-out moments at the studio commissary during lunch. That's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. that That's pretty funny. I agree. And I think that's hilarious that all the tourists are probably just like taking photos. They're like, look at what's part of the show. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this guy's got like all this gore on him. <sighs> One of the biggest sources of tension between the filmmakers was the issue of the film's ending. So the cod wanted the shape to live at the end because what a surprise. He wanted to produce more Halloween films. Bob Weinstein wanted the shape to die. Okay. They... Which is stupid. Like, Again, obviously, a cod is going to be like, are you a dumbass? Like, we should keep making these movies. Absolutely. They're making money. Maybe they're the last couple didn't make the money we wanted, but they're making money. And then this one, you have the original Scream Queen back from the first one. Mm-hmm. You've got Josh Hartnett. I mean. They should have made another one with this cast. <sighs> or the surviving cast. So, this gets better. So, Weinstein instructed screenwriter Robert Zapia to write two endings and send the ending with the shape surviving to a cod while they would actually shoot the one where he died, which is pretty messed up. So they would send one script to a cod that's like, yeah, he's fine, he lives, but we're gonna just shoot the one where he dies. That sucks. I think that's pretty messed up. That's the character yes. of Bob Wines. However, the screenwriters, Zapier, he did not he do that, he refused. And annoy, apparently that annoyed Weinstein, but I'm whatever. sure he did. Yes. But big ups to him. So according to Zapia, Kevin Williamson concocted the film's ending where the shape is killed, as well as the twist shown in Halloween Resurrection, where it's revealed that he had actually switched clothes with the paramedic. So the solution seemed to appease both parties. According to screenwriter Matt Greenberg, it was Weinstein who suggested Laurie Strode decapitate the shape with an axe. That's good. Yeah. All right. So I've got some quotes for us and then some trivia. Questionable questions for you. Okay. All right. So, Tony, hasn't anyone ever told you that secondhand smoke kills Nurse Marion? Yeah, Yeah, but they're all dead. dead. Yeah. (laughs) That always makes me laugh. The the line delivery and everything is pretty funny on that one. Dr. Sam Loomis, this is the the dialogue that they had to recreate. I just love the, the description. So, he says, I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that 
what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I just love that. It's a good description. They should always keep this in mind when they're making a Michael Myers movie. I agree with that. Norma Watson, she said, this is the line where she gave that one good scare line from the first one. She says, oh, Miss Tate, I didn't mean to make you jump. It's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. And Lori says, I've had my share. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. Which is true. Kind of snappily. Yeah, which which is accurate. And then um, calling back to the fate discussion, Lori says, Molly, please, do you have any thoughts on Victor and Elizabeth? Molly says, well, um, well, I think that Victor should have confronted the monster sooner. He's completely responsible for Elizabeth's death because he was so paralyzed by fear, he never did anything. It took death for the guy to get a clue. And Lori says, and why do you think he was finally able to confront his monster? Molly, I think that Victor had reached a point in his life where he had nothing left to lose. I mean, the monster sought to that by killing off everyone he loved. Victor finally had to face it. It was about redemption. It wasn't, it was about redemption. It was his fate. So you think that's where Lori was at the end of the movie? I was just going to say, I think this is an important line too, because I think that sets up Lori's storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she's just like, you know what? I've had enough of this. And she goes after him. She tries to get everybody out and she wants to face him on her own. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a good description of how Lori is in this movie as well. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And John, when he's talking to Molly, says, it just occurred to me today that I've never celebrated Halloween before. Molly said, and why is that? And John says, oh, we've got a psychotic serial killer in the family who loves to butcher people on Halloween. And I just <laughs> thought it in bad taste to celebrate. <laughs> I like the characters. I think the teenagers are good. Yeah, I think they're very witty. In this movie, yes, they're not stupid teenagers. They're right. Yeah, they're smart. They have, yeah, like you said, witty, good mm-hmm. conversations with each other. Good comebacks. Yeah. They did teenage things. What mm-hmm. we used to do back in the day before all like the technology got in the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have the pushback between Molly and John where John's just like, you know, I don't understand what your problem is. I'm growing up. And of course, Lori's trying to protect him because of everything. Right, right. That's happened. She's maybe a little overprotective and their battle between each other, I think was very good. Yeah, I and agree this, with that. Yeah, I think they just had a good storyline to go along with, you know, the slash slash, you know, Michael Myers just slashing people. At- it dawns on me in the next next movie, they never bring up him. No. And I really wish they would have referred to him i don't care for the next movie and it's probably because of some of what we just said this one has a good storyline you bring back a classic character and bring in new characters who are right a big focus but it's easy to fall into their world understand what's going on mm-hmm. and when the death scenes are coming up michael's going after them it's believable it's well done yeah i like it i don't like the next storyline i think it's just thrown together and yeah. they just had famous people that they were like let's fucking put them all in a room and let's see what happens and i that's why i think i don't care for the next one because you had this one like you said i wish they would have done more exactly they another missed opportunity of the production company behind halloween yeah the if franchise. they would have continued with this and it is what it is and i don't know what happened to not make that a reality, but I just, the cast was good. The storyline was good. It's again, like you said, I think one of the big draws and probably why it does so well and holds up is you do have that teenage storyline. Yes. So you got the teens who want to come in, which they're probably a lot of the ones who saw the first one, right? Yeah. Because you got teenagers involved in that one being stalked by the babysitter killer. And yep. this one, now you've got Michael back in the teens. They picked Josh Harna, a big up and comer. And that was yeah you know not just a pretty face he's a good actor he actually knows how to act too yeah yeah. he did a a good job portraying the the struggles he was going through as a character too so i don't know i just think it's not a perfect movie none of them are but but out of the franchise it's one of the better movies i agree it's It's, more enjoyable to watch yeah i like watching this one i don't feel like it's a chore to rewatch this right like some of the others where i'm like oh are we done with this and 
I don't know. I mean, and to me, the beginning too is good too. When you have that set up with the nurse and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and all that, where, mm -hmm. you know, it's just. They really took their time to put this movie together. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they did that in the next movie. Right. Mm -hmm. The movie that was going to end the franchise the very first time around, I feel like they slapped it together as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. But we'll get more into that in the mm -hmm. next episode. But yeah, overall, I just yeah, I enjoy the 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 whole thing. And LL Cool J, he's very funny in this. Yeah, he adds some pizzazz to the cast. Yeah, arguing with his girlfriend or his wife, whatever, about his book he's writing and. Uh, yeah, he does a good job. And I was so convinced that he was going to die. In Me too. And he didn't. He made it I through. I wonder if it was in his contract. I don't know. But isn't that always the cliche, right? In horror movies, they yeah, slay the black, black guy. always go. Like the one black guy is going to get it. And he survived. Yeah. He, he did. made it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So look at you, Ella Cool J. Good, good for you. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's do some trivia questions. Don't look. Okay. No. Okay. So what was the one reference? Now I said they took out references to Halloween four, five, and six, but there was one sneaky one that was in there that okay. wasn't verbalized. So what was the reference to Halloween five revenge of Michael Myers that was in this movie? It's something that was in Dr. Loomis's bedroom. And I would, I had no idea. I did I not pick no up idea. on this. Okay. It's not like you're slow. I, no I didn't pick up on this either. So there are a pair of bloody, there's a picture of a pair of bloody scissors. And the note next to it says something like punctured aorta and the aorta is your heart. And Michael Myers stabbed Rachel in Halloween five with a pair of scissors in her heart. I would never gotten that. I was like, okay. <laughs> I would never I did that. not see this either. So it's the I remember things... seeing it, but I would have never, I never put it together. No, I know. Yeah. So there you go. That's an actual reverence to Halloween five. What had Jimmy been suspended for five times this year? Uh, yeah, skipping school? No. No. Getting drunk? No. Getting a little crazy with the stick. Remember That's when he's right. walking Get, around yeah, the house? Getting a little crazy with the stick. That's it's right. so funny to me when he's walking around the house trying to act like he's such a big badass. Yeah. It didn't work for you, did it, Jimmy? No, he, Michael Myers still clipped you, so. In a very fun way. Yes, he With did. Your ice cream, yeah. What was the name of the school? You know, it was supposed to be a girls' school to start out with. I don't. I can't remember. Hillcrest, Hillcrest. Academy. That's right, Hillcrest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they obviously changed that up. Since yeah. It was, they needed Josh Hartnett to in be the there. beginning. In the beginning, it was, it was supposed to be an all-girls school, uh -huh. and Josh Hartnett's character was the only. It's supposed to be the only guy because the mom was the headmistress of it. Oh, but they changed okay. that. Gotcha. Well, it's probably better that they didn't have him the only guy. Right. It's a bit awkward. That would have really made him even more bitter. Yeah. I mean, you want to be like, oh yeah, he's a teenager surrounded by girls, but no. I mean, I feel like he would have just been super salty. Yeah. If that was it. Um, and I was just thinking, I remember when we were rewatching this, we're kind of laughing at, oh, that scene where Lori's out with her boyfriend and remember they're at the restaurant and she's like downing, downing the, glass of wines. the wine. Yeah. We always laugh at that bit. And the waiter's just like, another one. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? It's just funny the way she's so like, just shut the fuck up and give it to me, you and know, like, and just whoop, there it goes. He goes to the bathroom. She kills that. And she's like. Real fast, real fast. Fill Before up, he comes back, yeah, it just it just makes me laugh. Yeah, that is pretty Yeah, funny. I was just thinking, I was like, I know there's one scene that we always laugh at. And that's, yeah, that always cracks me up too. That is pretty does. funny. Yeah, so overall, enjoyed this Very movie. good movie. I liked it. We liked it. Mm -hmm. We recommend this one for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Mm -hmm. Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Yep. We have a new YouTube channel. It's under Limitless Network. We are. We, uh, I was doing a show on YouTube called Strange World with Robert, talking about strange topics and whatnot. And YouTube did not like my content. So they shut down my channel. Yes. So we have started a new channel called, it's the Limitless Network. So please go follow that. I will put links. We are also using. You see, there's another Ramble. Video. 
Ramble. You can go to Ramble. That's I'll new, post a link to. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the substitute for uh, YouTube. Ramble.com. I'm thinking probably Ramble will have more of your special videos yeah. than um, YouTube. I'm still going to produce that, but uh, it's going to be on a different network. Mm-hmm. So we ha- again, we have two sites coming. The mm-hmm. Pixie Dust and the new Limitless site. Yeah. That might be exclusively on the Limitless site. Yeah. So. I will be reposting several videos as we go since everything was lost and YouTube just kind of fucked us. Yeah. So. They would not accept our disputes. They, yeah, it just really pissed me off. But we are working on getting everything back up and rolling yes, as soon are. as we can. So yes, just be are. on the lookout for that. So go follow our new channel, Limitless Network. Still, mm-hmm. if you look at it in YouTube, still the same logo. You'll find it. Yeah. And like I said, I'll put the link in there too. All right. Thank All you right. guys for tuning in. We'll mm-hmm. see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast is produced and hosted by Robbie and Sammy Brooksby as part of the Limitless Broadcasting Podcast Network. Post-production and intro by Sammy Brooksby. Follow the show on Instagram at BoogeymanPod. You can also follow the Limitless Broadcasting Company at Limitless Broadcasting and your horror hosts at Robert1950 Studios and at The Samalam. We also have a TikTok at 1950 Studios. Email your creepy comments and spooky suggestions to us at boogeymanpod at gmail.com. Don't forget, everyone is entitled to one good scare. Have a horrific week. <laughs>